With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up. Peace, and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio a program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate on the issue of 21st century slavery, hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas, with new abolitionist and actionist Johanna Nelaya and Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking, along with projects and people who help combat it. November 4th, 2015. Recently, the SPLC filed a judicial ethics complaint against an Alabama judge who forced people unable to pay court fines and fees to give blood or face jail time. Perry County Circuit Judge Marvin Wiggins threatened defendants in his court with jail on September 17th, noting that the sheriff had enough handcuffs for those unable to pay and unwilling to donate blood, according to the complaint filed Monday with the judicial Inquiry Commission of Alabama. In another blatant example of institutional racism, uh, an all-white jury has been selected in the trial against a former Oklahoma City police officer, Daniel Holtzclaw, who is accused of raping 13 black women. In complete contrast to the previous stories, Louisville Circuit Court Judge Olu Stevens dismissed a jury in the middle of a trial asking for a new jury to be assembled that had more diversity, saying there is not a single African-American on this jury and the defendant is an African-American man. I cannot in good conscience go forward with this jury. Further, the GEO Group announces date uh, its date for the third quarter 2015 earnings release and conference call tomorrow, and we'll be there to record and report what we hear. Keeping up with political rhetoric, Presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders, uh, Democrat from Vermont, introduced a Senate bill today that would legalize recreational marijuana used on a federal level. The Hill reports, again making history, this is the first Senate bill ever to propose completely legalizing recre- recreational marijuana. A few days ago, Hillary Clinton met privately Monday evening in Chicago with the families of young black people who were killed by police officers, according to her campaign. As the Democratic frontrunner pushes forward her plan 
for criminal justice reform. Man, I feel some kind of way just by saying those words, democratic front runner, like somebody set me up to say it. But nonetheless, human rights advocates are deploying an amazing new digital tool to help convince corporations to stop profiting from mass incarceration. Using a new web application for the first time, people will be able to automatically scan their investment portfolios and find out if they are invested in the prison industry. I love the way that sounds. Private prisons for profit, huge DOC budgets, human trafficking, and racial inequity in sentencing and arrests. Today, we go deep into the desert with our America is Ferguson series and show you that Nevada is Ferguson. This week's rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is George Allen Jr., who was exonerated on January 18, 2013 in St. Louis, Missouri, after serving over 30 years in prison for the murder of Mary Bell, a young court reporter. Allen was convinced, uh, convicted based in part on false confession, police tunnel vision, and blood type evidence that was said to include Allen, but actually eliminated him as a possible contributor. Our abolitionist in profile is George de Baptiste, 1815 to 1865, 1875, sorry. Expect all of that and more tonight on New Abolitionist Radio. You can find archived podcasts at New Abolitionist radio.blogspot.com. We invite you to join the conversation by calling us at 1641-715-3660, extension 549-032-POUND. Just press star 601 to queue up from the conference line. After a whole week, we are back together. What's happening, my brothers? Um, we're waiting on Johanna to um, join us, uh, Max, but um, I'm doing as well as can be expected behind these enemy lines, but I'm just right, ready to go to sleep, actually, Max. <laughs> you know, I got to give you a, uh, some compliments, brother. On what? The website? I heard, I heard, well, the website is one thing. I thought that was pretty cool. But the interview you did uh, yesterday with Dr. Wilson, um, your restraint was admirable. And uh, I saw that you, it, it was obvious you, you were up against a brick wall when it came to trying to present the idea of trying to present something different in the narrative. But uh, you also showed your, as you said, your your daughter how to be respectful and listen and pay attention, even if you don't agree, which is something that people don't do a lot of. It's hard, man. Yeah, it is certainly hard. But your restraint was admirable. And well, right. I, I had to blame that on, uh, well, not blame it, but I don't want to thank them for it. But I learned discipline from the six years in the military. I don't you know, understand. Well, now I'm not going to give them all the credit, but to the table. I, I don't understand because on several occasions I heard the phrase "I'm not here to debate with you" or "I don't want to debate with you." Maybe three, four. Well, times. Let, let me clarify something, Max. Um, there was some miscommunication between myself and um, um, Sister Cece, who's my volunteer assistant. Um, she had the fax because I don't have a fax machine. She had the fax of uh, Dr. Welsing. Um, information about what the program was uh, going to be about and um, apparently Dr. Welsing thought it was just going to be um, a lecture where she, uh, you know, talk about uh, the ISIS papers and, and whatnot and I and anybody who has been uh, following my podcast or broadcast since 2007 know that is not my radio style as a radio host. I have to ask questions. That's how I learn. That's how children learn is by asking questions. Um, and so I was asking questions, especially when I was confronted with information that, uh, that we know, 
uh, 40, 50, 100 years later not to be true, 150 years uh, later not to be true. And, you know, I got to represent because I'm an abolitionist first and foremost. Uh, well, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm an abolitionist. I'm against slavery. So, um, you know, when when I mean, that's logical. <laughs> Technically, yeah. it's true. So why would we want to use metaphors to act like, you know, this is something in, in our past? But also, right. I learned from that interview that I shouldn't exaggerate. We shouldn't exaggerate the numbers of the people who are enslaved. Um, there are, there are uh, millions who are affected. Uh, Max, you know the statistics. Oh, I think we got uh, Johanna. Let me add him. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting conversation. Yeah, um, Max, you, what's the estimate? How many black, uh, we know it's about 2.5 million in, at, in, on prisons, the majority of which are on yes. prisons and in immigration detention facilities. From what I understand, and, it's actually, well, just then, for African Americans alone, it's between 40 and 50 percent. And if it's 2.5 million, then you're talking about a million missing black men and women. Okay, so I kind of understated it. I didn't want to overstate it, and I gave an underestimate of about 800,000. But like I told this black Republican uh, who was trying to play the race card with me on Tiny Free and Friends uh, program today when when he started blaming Obama and then talking about why Obama didn't do this, insinuating why Obama ain't do this for black people. Well, Obama ain't never didn't come into office promising to do anything for black people, but... You know, now we're seeing a reversal of decades old policies as he's on his way out the door. I'm still not going to pat him on the back, but we'll take that and continue to fight for uh, total uh, liberty and freedom. And, and we're talking about people who are enslaved over victimless, nonviolent crimes. We ain't even talking just about drug and, crimes. We're talking about prostitute, what they call prostitution. They want to make it a moral issue, but in other states, it's legal. Look at where Lamar Odom was in Nevada, where they also had the Democratic National uh, Debate. Um, we, I'm sure, have covered Nevada in our research on on uh, the um, the continuation of slavery in that state or corporation they call it uh, Nevada right right now. So, but I don't want women to be locked up because they're trying to survive because they're in poverty because you didn't kick them off of food stamps. Well, you know what I'm the, saying? Scotty, uh, just the women in Tutwiler prison is worth fighting. Yeah, for. man. Just them alone. Yeah. You know, we're not talking so, about including the youth detention facilities where exactly. rape is rampant, not only by the uh, people who are also in those cages with them, but primarily by the guards themselves. Several stories and and confessions and, and everything has come out to show that that is the case. Now, but what I'm saying is, though, in terms of percentages, because, you know, white supremacy can be a mathematical equation. If you want to uh, disrupt it, change it up to your favor, you got to manipulate the variables. OK. And so and, and so uh, there are. They say, and I think it's an underestimate because I know how black people have from the census taker and I don't blame them. I ain't, I don't feel any way about it uh, either way. Uh, so when they say there's about 40 million black people here, it could well be 80 million. I don't know. You don't know. Uh, if they didn't fill out a census and then so many of them homeless and I know we see stuff on TV, how they go out there and try to count them, but they ain't getting them all. You know what I'm saying? Some people are, are living off 
of, of the grid. But if we go with 40 million black people, I mean, and not just black people, non-white people. So how many more millions is that chipping into that 300 million majority? You know what I'm saying? And, and then, you know, we, we, uh, have, uh, uh, white people in the, uh, move to abolish 21st century slavery who say that they are abolitionists and we'll trust that they're working to actually, uh, uh, end slavery and abolish, you know, some John Browns and, and that kind of commitment, you know, to abolishing the greatest continuous crime, uh, uh, on this continent against humanity. And it's primarily aimed at black people, but like I told that black Republican, it doesn't matter about the people's race when you're talking about uh, uh, slavery. Yes, they're being kinder and gentler to these white hillbillies in West Virginia that uh, the uh, uh, executive branch and the CEO of America just gave them a million dollar um, uh, package to address, you know, uh, save people that's old deed on that heroin and get them some kind of treatment and, and not in, in the rhetoric from the Obama administration is not lock them up. But guess what? The federal government ain't in control of these local police departments and they lock on lock them up anyway. You know, there's a lot of reporting cause you share the stories, uh, on that, but they are, you know, talking about let's be kinder and gentler. That's what we're hearing from the Hillary Clinton voters when, you know, they was against uh, Obama, you know, in the game of politics, of course, I'm speak, I'm speaking, but you know, um, if 40 million black people can't free, let's say, well, let's just say 39 million black people can't free one million something man something is seriously wrong with the strategies that we using or how or how we are looking at this problem you don't even have 40 million people in any in the all the armed services intelligence services and all of that combined so we're tolerating uh this and i will continue to follow in the footsteps of frederick Douglass and unabated bashedly uh, uh, agitate for end <laughs> hey, Scotty, to slavery. Speaking of agitating, and for the benefit of our regular listeners who uh, haven't listened to any of the other programs, this past uh, few days I was involved in the circumstances going down in Colombia where the young girl had been br- brutalized by the officer there, Ben Fields. And it ended up with us having a uh, a rally at the State House. And then from the State House, we went down to the Sheriff's Office with the uh, mother of the young girl who had videotaped uh, the incident. And uh, we went down there to bring a list of demands that we wanted for change and posted those, that list of demands, which is about six feet long, <laughs> on the policeman's, the police door, sheriff's office door there. And we did all that while playing uh, NWA's classic F the Police on a bullhorn. <laughs> Max, about that, you know, I want to thank you and, um, I want to thank you for, uh, coming on the program, but the surprise guest, uh, Sister India Asada. I got her name right. I didn't call her. Yeah, I didn't call her Ayana like I did many times (laughs) during, uh, that program. Yeah, um, we're still working on that issue right there. A lot of people are throwing out what they call opinions. But from our perspective, uh, just what we saw in the video was more than enough to tell us exactly what was going on there. And we live there. We know what's going on there. These are our children that are involved in these schools. And we know the level of racism embedded in the systems and the environment in here in South Carolina, particularly in Columbia, uh, where they just shot a, the, the, the young boy out there, the young white boy out there. 
point blank for trying to resist arrest. This is the type of a uh, reaction South Carolina police have. They'll kill you regardless of what law it is, as long as they think that you're breaking a law and they have the right to use force to any degree. And it don't matter if the law is something as simple as disrupting school or um, pulling out of a gas station and not identifying yourself immediately. Anything. It could be anything. So uh, we're still in, it, in that, and I will keep you posted. i also like to say thank you to all the supporters who helped us through the crisis in our own life. One of the reasons why we had a week off, uh, glad Scotty chose that week. Everybody seemed to be having something going on. Uh, several people made donations. Thank you so much. And one in particular, uh, Walid uh, Muhammad made a sizable con- contribution to not only towards what we're trying to in our relocation, but also towards the radio show. So thank you very much for that. Um, thank you. Yes. Indeed, indeed. This is listener supported uh, radio because Walmart ain't going to sponsor no message you hearing on these airwaves. So, yeah, we lost uh, the house in the floods here. It was ruined. So uh, we got a new place and it's a beautiful place. And I think it's a blessing in disguise. I just think that's how God works. There's a couple of pieces of news I just want to drop real quick that are not on our schedule. Scotty, if you don't mind, you can find these two links on New Abolitionist Radio on Facebook. One, the news just came in. No indictment of the police officer in the killing of Darius Stewart. That story is right there on our new abolitionist page. And also uh, a six-year-old boy was just recently killed today. They just killing children left and right. It don't really matter. But I guess, you know, uh, just more and more people are being encouraged to record. So just think about how many people uh, have been killed and you saw it. Uh, but you just kept your mouth shut and you didn't step up. But now people are stepping up. The very least that they can do is document the crime, which is very important in the process of seeking justice. Uh, but when we're talking about murders and terrorism, it's all about preventive measures. And we ain't taking enough preventive measures. These police unions, these slave catches, as we know, they are continuation. The name just changed. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, uh, we have to demand because the people fleed from the police with a child in the car. But we remember oh, Sister man. Miriam out in Washington, who also supposedly fleed from the police with a child in the car. They don't care. They'll kill you uh, if they see that or feel or, or say that you are resisting them in any way, shape or form, regardless of whether it violates Let any constitutional rights or the crime. Let me... it does, no punishment fits the crime in this case. It's simply extrajudicial murders happening. Yeah, we, right exactly. That's the key. Use the right language. It, that's what they are. Extrajudicial uh, murders against even non-combatants. And they do that all the time in Pakistan and Yemen and other Africa. And 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 it, it's the same. It, it, if a drone had dropped a bomb on them, they're dead. You know, by agent of the state. Oh, they had okay. a cop in Alabama just recently had uh, he he got a, re, a an award for his actions, which involved him shooting this young man twice. And now the video just recently came out to show that the boy was on his knees in no position of threat when he shot him point blank twice and he was accepted the war like yeah i did something special 
had the lie going on all along, and now they're just finding out that he was the one who initiated that violence. But on on going back to uh, the student who I don't like to speak her name because I don't want to give any kind of intelligence to these terrorists that we know live in this area. You know what I'm saying? So you know, um, uh, I could have uh, this girl need, uh, identity needs to be protected. I can't stress that enough because uh, I know how the enemy uh, um, um what they call data mines uh intelligence and we you know so i i would wish people stop using her name I ain't gonna call no names uh out but we we need to you know think about who we speaking to when we talking to corporate media and whatnot hrap brown called it white people's power white people's press you know what i'm saying and and it's just lots of mistakes are being made there and we don't want to put these children in now, i understand she was being terrorized on twitter man even by other students and and people piling on and oh man i, I don't want to go off but this six-year-old girl let me share this story that a listener um had shared with me um uh, it might have been shared to uh the time uh the uh one of the listeners might have shared it to new abolitionist radio on facebook but a 16 year old a six year old i'm sorry a six year old 70 pound um native american girl i don't know what tribe uh, she belonged to it don't matter she non-white and so she was being babysitted she had a temper tantrum don't ask me her medical history or any trauma she might have had she's living under white supremacy and terrorism so you know but she was being babysitted so um the she had a paring knife you know a little small knife that you maybe two inches at most that you cut fruit with and and she was throwing a tantrum a, a temper tantrum and she didn't stab anyone or try to stab anyone but she wouldn't put the knife down it scared the babysitter the babysitter the father said i would have i wouldn't have told her to call the police you call me away from me um you know but anyway um, the police came, four of them. This is a six-year-old, 70-year-old child with a fruit knife in her hand. Okay. And I'm sure they got on bulletproof vests and, and probably some pads on. Plus, they taking steroids anyway. They can go ahead and take a little poke from a six-year-old. You know what I'm saying? It's four of them. One of them tases the girl. Which the manufacturers, all these tasers say are not to be used on the elderly, people with pacemakers, known heart problems, uh, not to be used on pregnant women and not to be used on children. So this is against, against regulation, period. And, and, and they said the force was so strong, it knocked her uh, back about a foot and a half into the wall behind her. So they done cor- cornered her and then tased her. We're talking about four grown men. Y'all, you know, on a six-year-old, if if what Ben Fields did wasn't egregious enough um, on a 16-year-old, and this is happening every day, there are thousands of cases, you don't believe me, just Google it in a search engine, police violence against children in the USA should pull up a whole bunch of documentation. Uh, do we have, do we have um, Johanna on the line? I'm here. Can y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Peace and welcome back. Guys, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to let y'all handle the program because I've been going over 24 hours. And so (laughs) y'all can y'all handle it? We got this. I understand how how you feel with that one. Welcome, uh, Johanna. Good to be here. Good to be here. Man, just uh, trying to keep everything together on all sides, you know. 
Right, right, right. All aspects Same. of the struggle, like as Scotty says all the time behind these enemy lines, all aspects of the struggle, man. What is in the background there going on? Sound like traffic or something. Yeah, he's yeah. traveling. Oh, I, didn't, uh, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear what you said. Go ahead. Uh, there was a loud noise in the background, sound like traffic or something for a minute there. It's not there now, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, just listening in, though, to what you all were saying the entire time. I mean, like, every story is just ridiculous. The, the situation is last piece, speaking about the, the young sister in the high school situation, and it just takes us right back to what happened in Texas with the pool party. And, I mean, just the other day, I posted about on my personal page about uh, the difference between the outrage at Ray Rice, a private citizen, that hit his wife, he deserved to be fired immediately. He deserved for his career to be over. He cannot make money anymore for the rest of his life for hitting his wife. And everybody saw that. And now we got two incidents basically back to back, plus what Scotty's talking about, plus the hundreds of others across the country to go on all the time. Well, these officers, sworn officers, sworn oath-taking officers of the law paid by the taxpayers, you got these same people raising up saying, well, no, don't take their jobs. Well, what they did was justify I mean, yeah, there's I don't this, understand this. I don't understand sense, the double standard, man. There's a sense that, that once you're in a position of authority like that, you can get away with anything. That, you know, it's up to you to decide what's moral and ethical. You know, because you're the person in power. You can make the rules, right? You get to enforce whatever you want to enforce and have discretion when you want to have discretion. So you must feel like a king. It reminds me of the experiment that they did uh, with the guards and, uh, the guards and the inmates in wearing uniforms over a seven day period, which only lasted five days. What was the name of that? The Stanford Institute. Uh, yeah, Stanford, the Stanford experiment. Yeah. It's right. It reminds me of that where you just think you can do anything. You constantly violate our constitutional rights. You constantly, uh, abuse your authority, constantly doing things that you know are criminal that no one else could get away with for no other reason. And the answer that you provide for us is comply or die. And if you don't like it, take it to court. When we shouldn't have to go that far with it. You shouldn't be doing that from the very beginning. And if you're doing it, you're the criminal. So that cop who abused a 16-year-old girl is not an officer of the law. He is a common criminal, just like any other common criminal who should be treated like one. And we got judges running these games on us, too. And we're illustrating at least three stories of judges, like like judges, who are just doing some insane stuff, good, bad, and bad. Uh, the first one comes out of Alabama. Uh, my daughter just got back from Alabama, as a matter of fact. The SPLC filed a judicial ethics complaint against an Alabama judge who forced people unable to pay court fines and fees to give blood or face jail time. Literally, this judge said that. Perry County Circuit Judge Marvin Wiggins threatened defendants in his court with jail on September 17th, noting that the sheriff had enough handcuffs for those unable to pay or unwilling to give blood. According to this complaint that is filed with the uh, Judicial Commission of Alabama, people who couldn't pay their court debt with cash literally paid with their blood, said Sarah Zampierin, SPLC staff attorney. 
This is a shocking disregard for not only judicial ethics, but for the constitutional rights of defendants. The Judicial Inquiry Commission could recommend that Wiggins face ethics charges in the Alabama Court of the Judiciary. Defendants in more than 500 criminal cases, which can be as minor as hunting violations, were mailed notices to appear before Wiggins on September 17th. Dozens showed up to pack the courtroom for a hearing on the restitution, fines, court costs, and fees they still owed. When Wiggins took the bench, he offered defendants with empty pockets a full veins uh, and full veins an option. So basically, he was saying, "Look, you're here to give the court money. We want your money, and we're going to extort it from you right now. If you don't want to pay money or can't pay money, then." Give blood. The truck is right outside. Go do it right now. And if you can't do either one of those things, then rest assured, today you're going to jail. Now, Take if that ain't blood. <laughs> Take it in blood like Nas said, man. I mean, that's crazy. I don't even know how you can comment on that. Where does that happen at? Well, what they say, where they do that at? You're going to take blood from the people? I couldn't even believe that when I saw that. But, I mean, we've already reported on the, uh, what was it, 10% of prosecutors across the country are all being investigated for serious federal charges. So we've, we've reported on this program how the system itself hey. is built on corruption at every level. I don't know. if I, th- I think I can play videos from my end. Let me give it a shot. It's only a minute and a half long. Let's hear it. You want to hear the judge say it in his own words? Because maybe we ain't giving it enough credit that it deserves. You gotta hear this dude. Right. Tell people right. This. Uh, I can't do it. My bad. I just clicked it and it said error uh play well let me give it one more shot. Maybe I can. Let's see. Here we come. Tell me if you hear this. No, I don't hear it. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm back. Um, if it's posted on uh Facebook on the page, I'll I'll play it for you, Max. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's I on there. Okay, it's, it's on the new abolitionist page. Oh, Man. actually, I got it. Can you hear that? Yeah, but it's terrible. Okay. All you need to do is click on that knowledge base um menu button on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. That'll take you to knowledge base dot blacktalkradionetwork.com and you can learn how to do uh, everything <laughs> that I do. All right. Um, what's the name of the video? It's the Alabama uh, SPLC ethics complaint against the Alabama okay. judge. Yeah. Give money yeah. or go to give yeah. blood or go to jail. Damn vampires, man. Yeah. Let me <laughs> click on that and it, uh, yeah, it's on their page. So let's just get that time to load up. Can't make no promises. I'm sorry to spring that video on you last minute, Scotty. Right, I know you like All right. Maybe we could take our break though and then come back and be ready to run. That's back a here. good idea. That's a good idea. Great idea. When it's in. We're going right. to take a quick break, station identification, and get this video loaded so you can hear it yourself. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio on the blacktalkradionetwork.com, and we'll be right back after these messages.
tuned to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Those of you who are able to give the consideration that the blood drive outside, if you're not having the money and not want to go to jail as an option to pay it, you can give blood today. If you're not having money, go out there and give blood, and bring your slip back and receive it. In case you give blood, consider that as a discount rather than putting you in jail. Have money. So if you're not having money, you're not going to go to jail. You should have given blood today. Bring you a receipt back for the sheriff having enough handcuffs for those who do not have money. What did you say? Yeah, you're all set. Thank you for donating. You know what? Uh, you're still doing a good thing. Well, and I normally do, yeah. but I don't like being told I have to. I'm going to jail. Yeah. I, 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 thought, I thought everybody was joking when you said that. No, no. That's pretty damn crazy. Wow. Well, you heard it. There's more. There's right more. There. Hold up. There's more. There's more. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's supposed to be. Um, I know the DA was okay. Yeah, they just showing uh, information written down, right. providing commentary. You heard it with your own ears. Like you know, we're talking about Alabama, where <clears throat> where they use uh, debtors' prisons at. And Can I say this? Can yes, I say this? And and I'm gonna let y'all have it. Um, and if y'all need any extra time, y'all can have it. Uh, but um. Check this out, man. Them all sounded like black people. I, I, you know, I've been around black people. I'm a black person. And so I can, you know, pretty much pick up on a phenotype of a person by the, their speech pa- patterns and how they sound, you know, that soulful sound and whatnot. And them sound like all black people to me. So we need to get some names because I think we got a few more nominees for the Butter Biscuits Award. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I noted on, that too. It sounded proxy like racism. <laughs> Dot com. I'm looking for the picture of the judge, uh, now. His name is, uh, he's Alabama Circuit Court Judge Marvin Wiggins. Um, yep. okay. And them sound like, uh, black, uh, sheriff deputies. Um, and a DA say- and a DA. And Max, you, you know, uh, got into a public town hall debate over slavery with a DA in your area. Man, the last time I spoke to her and her husband, who was in New York City, Policeman, former New York City policeman, former pl- prison guard. So it was a whole spectrum. We, we were all together at a town hall meeting just two weeks ago, and they told me in no uncertain terms, they know everything yeah, it's about. It's a black yo. dude. It, it's 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 yeah. a it's a black person. So, uh, um, let me go ahead and write something up quickly and get him nominated to the Butter Biscuits, um, awards. Um, that we have monthly and you'll be able to vote on the poll who's doing the most damage and, and allowing themselves to be proxy racist tools, whether they being compensated for it, whether they're being coerced into it. At some point you got to say, say no. 
You know, uh, we tell women to say no to their rapists and to fight back. And at least that's what I tell my daughters, unless, you know, uh, the odds are you're not going, you know, this, you, these people oh. are going to overpower you. But come on, man. Come on now. See, this is why I was saying on Tando radio show, the enemy is us. So if, if we can convince enough non-white people, primarily black people, who are all in these government positions and appointed and elected and, and whatnot. And you're doing stuff like this and the DA's in on it. That was a conspiracy. What we just heard several different, uh, recording further than that, Scotty. Yeah, man. But I he, mean, come he, on. He is making people pay for court appointed attorneys and he re- routinely does that, which is completely against the sixth amendment right to appointed counsel. And uh Alabama law uh, allows courts to charge defendants for a court-appointed attorney, but only when the court determines the defendant has the ability to pay. He exploits that to everybody. So he's literally turning poor people into commodities, and I bet you he's got a relationship with the prisons, a financial relationship. What's this place again? Uh It's... Alabama and, uh, here, let me pull it up. Yes, in Alabama, but, but, um. It's, uh, Perry County Circuit Judge Marvin Wiggins. So Perry County is Ferguson. Perry County is Ferguson. Johanna, anything on that? What, I mean, what can you do with your head to that, man? That's the most ridiculous. I mean, I'm sitting here still speechless. Like, he didn't even do like. You gotta speak up, bro. You gotta speak more into the, uh, uh, receiver, cause you're coming in real low. I was just saying, he didn't even, even tell him to work at all. I mean, it's not even like this classic chain gang style or, or like labor, you know, to, to work off the slavery. He straight up went to take your blood. I mean, that, I, I'm, I'm speechless on it. Seriously, I've never heard anything like that. I don't know how that's not like major, media yeah. news that something Make, like that happened. And you can only imagine it has to have been going on in this vein for quite some time, considering he's violating other constitutional amendments on a regular basis. So, you know, they're generating a fortune there through that judge right now. This dude should be in jail, <laughs> like literally. Well, we got three judges to talk about tonight. Um, I believe, let me see what the next one is up there. Um, Oh, uh, regarding the all-white jury. Uh, let me pull that bad boy up. Uh, I know, Johanna, it sounds like you're on the road, so you don't have access to the Internet at, the, at this point, do you? No, no. All right, all right, I'll, I'll pull it up. This is a story that just came in uh, from ReggieHood.com, and it says, all-white jury for cop who raped 13 black women. Uh, they say, why? Is, like we're saying, why is this getting no media coverage? If not for organizations like, us and others like us, you wouldn't be hearing about these things at all, especially like Scotty often says, the feminists never say anything about these things. Feminist groups, and I'd love to hear them start speaking on this. An all-white jury has been selected in the trial against a former Oklahoma City police officer accused of sexually assaulting 13 black women. Daniel Holtzclaw, 28, was an Oklahoma City police officer who sexually assaulted 13 women between December 2013 and June 2014. So this is 13 women in a year, a serial rapist. All of the victims, not most, all of the victims were black women. Holtz Call faces 36 counts of rape, 
sexual battery, and other charges that carry a possible sentence of life in prison. He was arrested in August of 2014 after an investigation uncovered similarities to unsolved assault reports. Detectives were able to identify six more women who said they've been assaulted, raped, or forced to expose themselves to host claw. And somehow, this guy gets 12 white people on his jury. How the hell is that even possible? When the because there's no black. implicit bias. I sent an email to Campaign Zero, which has some affiliations with Black Lives Matter. Uh, we talked about it when you and the young brother, the brother from uh, South Carolina with uh, representing BLM, uh, who was uh, on this program, right? Yes. Right. Yes. He, yeah, he was he was on this program there. It's no implicit bias testing. Harvard has a implicit bias test uh that you can do online. It's not really complicated sciences. It's really just a bunch, uh, setting up a database to certain parameters. Come on, man. We got all this technology. You could set them in front of a computer, have them take like a 50 questionnaire you know, test or a hundred questionnaire test given the gravity that you might be deciding life or death. You know, you want to make sure that people don't have implicit bias because if they do, then to me, that should disqualify them. And I actually had went on a little research trip, but, um, because of my duties with technical stuff and, and other ideals and, and other stuff, I didn't pursue it. But I, I think that, uh, there should be, like I said, Ben Carson. He's a neuro, uh, uh, what is he? Uh, uh, a brain surgeon, a, a neurosurgeon. Yeah, neurosurgeon. So if you know so much about the brain, uh, there's some evidence, some medical evidence that, uh, would suggest there's similarities between what you want to call implicit bias was just PC for racist white uh, supremacy. Um, and, and so they have tests for this. All right. So if you, and, and autism, I forgot autism. Yeah. There's similar brain activity, uh, um, do the research, look these things up, people read. So it makes perfect sense to me to put together a little computer program, a little database questionnaire. You can take them online for implicit bias. Harvard got one, but for, for some reason that's completely illogical, they're saying that they, these white supremacists is saying this test shouldn't be used to test police officers or used on juries and stuff. This <laughs> is it just tells the truth about who they are. That's why. <laughs> exactly. And, and of course, Harvard, we know was in doubt with a bunch of money that they made off a of slave trade and probably still making off of it, you know, through their investments to Wall Street. Johanna? Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. This story blew me out when it was first coming out last year that this guy was getting away with this. And at the time it was still the same kind of the same kind of sentiment in in the media and the social media uh uh crowds of people commenting on the links that would report on it. I mean it's just still the same desperate clinging to some explanation, some justification that he was not going out as a serial damn racist. I mean, it's just people still explaining it away and trying to make it, well, they were resisting arrest and they probably just made uh, false complaints against him because they didn't want to go to jail. It's just like, seriously? You seriously going to say 13 
to completely unassociated women. Just so it was more than that that came out originally. I guess they whittled it down to 13 that they just couldn't deny. It must have got straight up DNA up out of them or something to not be able to deny them. But it was more than 13 when it all started coming out. So you got 13 black women. Then they tried to say he's not a white guy. He's he's mixed with some other something else. Well, so he's not he's not all white. So don't say he's white. And I mean, just it doesn't really matter what color he is at this point. It's really whether I mean, or not you're trying to get him off for raping women. That's what they're doing. That's what raping they are trying to do. I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes we report these stories, and, and I don't, I mean, for the listeners, you know, when I have the listeners out there, and if you're new to the program or what have you, just understand, because we report on this all the time, at least speaking for myself, I can't say that I always have an answer or always know how to respond. I mean, I'm shocked and my mouth is hanging over. I don't know what to say. You know, it's completely within the judge's jurisdiction to uh, dismiss a jury for whatever the reasons, uh, particularly if the case shows that it's a racially biased jury uh, in regards to the defendants or the victims. And they can do that. And one of our stories tonight shows that that, that can be done and is kind of a heroic in, in its essence because they're doing something like that. But the idea that they're trying to get this guy off, thinking that if they had all white jurors, they would have less sympathy for the 13 women who were raped by this cop who was on duty in one single year is demonic in essence. Like, is this what a lawyer learns? Is this what you learn as a prosecutor now? Is this what you learn as a lawyer now? Particularly as prosecutors, how to use racial bias to win your cases, how to manipulate people's uh, deep-set racial uh, prejudices to your benefit, for your career to be advanced, at the cost of the dignity and justice to women who have had their bodies physically violated by an officer of the law in uniform. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I could go on and on about this. Hey, um, you probably know more about it, but it seems that I heard that one of his victims was like 16 years old or something like that. A teenager around the same age as the female that got body slammed, you know, at Spring Valley High by Ben Fields. Before the night is over, I'll go back and get the original stories that we spoke of and share it to the page so people can update themselves on what's going on or what how we came to this point and flesh it out a little bit further and, and i will update it for the podcast uh later um just running late and um doing a lot of things on everybody's end and so we will get these links to these stories in the uh, podcast when it come out right right and um i guess what we should do at this point is go to our third story of the judges to kind of try to balance this out a little bit and in a way scotty it, it kind of shows you that we need to start giving some props to the people who are doing the right thing i mean you know we got the proxy racist uh awards let's start something for those that are doing the right thing uh as well to give them some recognition like this judge out in lewisville kentucky 
there's a video I just put a link in the chat there, the Skype chat for you, Scotty. We on the same page, man, because I saw his story and I was thinking the same thing, and I was like, should I uh, uh, create a category? You know what I'm saying, where we also recognize somebody that did the right thing. Uh, because I actually was thinking about this white dude, this white cop who being terrorized out there in, um, uh, what, Oregon, um, when, when the, uh, police chief was making monkey sounds and, and just talking very, you know, uh, um, uh, racist and, and white supremacist attitudes and denying the constitutional rights of, uh, and violating the constitutional rights of that black female. That was a black female victim. Y'all remember that? And, and, and he didn't go along with it and he reported him. Um, and, and he resigned. And then the mayor, you know, gave him a big send off party and, oh, we're sorry you got caught. You know what I'm saying? And you done us plenty of good service. And, and these are white people that turned on this white man and his family. He said they ran his wife off the road. Uh, one ran her into a ditch and, you know, just little incidents like that cause he spoke out against, uh, racism. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work. How do you work in people in that situation into who, um, don't allow themselves to be proxy, uh, tools of the system of racism and white supremacy, regardless of their, you know, this system, um, that was set up by the so-called founding fathers, well, even before then, you know, going back to Bacon's Rebellion, you know, uh, but how do we classify them? But I do agree with your overall premise that these uh, officers, like the brother from, uh, where is he in, Georgia? In his video with Viral, look like he's sitting up in in his squad car on his break, and he, and he was telling the absolute truth about it and calling them out on the things that we talk about today. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll come up with something in uh short order. I'm pretty sure. It might not be tonight, but we'll have come up with a good idea and give credit where credit is due. Uh, Scotty, if you could play the video in the chat link, this is from the Louisville judge who dismisses these juries for not having enough blacks selected. As a matter of fact, one of the quotes that he puts uh said, I just love it. It says, there is not a single African-American on this jury, and the defendant is an African-American man. I cannot in good conscience go forward with this jury. See, when you're a minority in a community, the majority judging you is not a jury of your peers. Were you able to pull it up, Scott? Yeah, it, it takes a time when it's my first time visiting a website. You know, it takes a little bit. Uh, okay, yeah, you know, these websites... With these videos sometimes drive me nuts with the commercials that come out and exploit what's happening. Well, like, that, that looks like an ad. <laughs> the commercials that exploit what's happening that often are completely contrary to what's going on and exploitative of some All terrible right, incidents go. sometimes. Here you go. Did a local judge overstep his boundaries when he dismissed a jury panel because it only included one African-American? And a story you will see only on WDRB. Daniel Obama explains the state's highest court will soon answer that question. A Jefferson County Circuit Court judge has dismissed at least two jury panels after concerns were raised over whether the jurors fairly represented the community. 
Damon Shanklin was charged with cultivating marijuana, and his trial started last week. Like usual, a panel of 41 jurors was brought in, but they were all later dismissed. In this grainy court video, Judge Olu Stevens says only three of the potential jurors are black. The concern is that the panel is not representative of the community, although it was randomly selected. Judge Stevens brought new jurors in, and it's not the first time he's done so. It also happened last November. The defense attorney in a theft case raised concerns that there was only one African-American juror, and he was randomly taken off the panel during jury selection. We're talking about a situation where we have not a single member of this jury that is going to be of Mr. Doss's uh, race. It concerns me greatly, um, and, and, and enough so. I'm going to grant the motion. I'm going to set aside the jury uh, entirely. Prosecutors are asking the Kentucky Supreme Court to decide if Judge Stevens has the power to do this. Last month, the justices agreed to review the case. Part of the state's motion asks, may a trial court dismiss a jury based upon a claim that the fair cross-section requirement has been violated when there has been no evidence of systematic exclusion of a class of persons from jury service. Appeals Court Judge Denise Clayton chairs the Chief Justice's Commission on Racial Fairness for Jefferson County Courts. She says officials have been monitoring the racial makeup of jurors. She says based on population, the panel should be at least 21% African American. The last panel called on October 12th was at 14%. So we're not really hitting the numbers that we need to or we would hope to. We're told that the Supreme Court will likely announce its decision uh, next summer around that time. Judge Stevens declined to comment. Reporting live downtown, I'm Danielle Lama, WDRV News. Man, the nuances involved in here is just incredible. First of all, they're trying to convict a man on cultivating marijuana. All right? right. In a place, in a, in a nation that has literally today just had legislation proposed to legalize it federally and is already making $150 million in one year in Colorado and profit legalized. Not counting that what is it, eight or ten other states that also legalize this. So it's a witch hunt from the very beginning. And now right. you're trying to stack the deck, and she's talking about how there is no evidence that uh, racial injustice is being used when putting together juries. Lord have mercy, somebody smack her upside the head. We're talking about Alabama. You know, we're not talking about Providence, Rhode Island. We're talking about Alabama, where... Racial inequity is deeply embedded from prior to the emancipation to now. Literally, we have talked about places in this state that are so bad that the National Guard needs to be called out in defense of the people. And finally, another point here is they're going with the percentages of the state. You know, African-Americans make up X percentage of the state, so we should have the jury make up X. No, that's not how it works. His peers is the people in his community, right? So if he comes right. from an all-black neighborhood, why has he got three-quarter white people he being considered being right. an thing? You know? Yeah, it's ridiculous as always, man. I don't, I don't understand why these games, why, why are we subjected to all this game playing all the time? I mean, these people... This people's lives. I don't know what it is. I, I just I don't understand what it is. Like you said, all them reasons, like you said, and then to hear her. I mean, they're just so matter of factly. Like, well, I mean, it's supposed to be, 
um, like 21%, and uh, we routinely see, uh, you know, like 14. So we're not really getting the numbers that we, we, you know, that we're comfortable with. You're talking about constitutional rights, man. You're not talking about, like, how you feel about something on a given day, your opinion. This is supposed to be the law of the land. Now, when the prosecutor's coming down on you, like I remember prosecutor, uh, uh, maybe it was a, maybe it was Jay Nixon or the, the, the uh, attorney general from Missouri when uh, the Ferguson situation was going on and then Jamie Powell uh, got murdered right behind. He came on the news and said, we live in a country of law with an Anglo, what do you say, Anglo-American tradition of jurisprudence and we're going to follow the letter of the law. Now, if that's what you come out and say, when you don't want the public to get angry with police because they see a video of a man standing with his hand in his pocket and they just open fire on him, and then that backs up a story that they came out originally saying, well, he had a knife and he came swinging it at us and we had no choice but to kill him. And people judge that because of what they saw, and then you come out and back up the police and say we live in a in a system of, of law and Anglo-American jurisprudence and we will follow the law. But then when this man is getting ready to see a jury, and mind you, if he don't have bail, he just sits in jail that much longer. That's this right. is going to be in the Supreme Court until next year. This dude, he has no life at this point. He could have just been brought up on some bogus charges, and he's going to lose his entire life. And there's not much they're going to do to him if he's found innocent of this. He's going to end up being set out and have whatever kind of fees and fines and, and have to figure out where to live and get another job and his family is in disarray. And, you know, this is all a part of the system where you have people like Don Lemon come on TV and say, oh, well, black families are having so many babies out of wedlock. There's 70% of black children in homes with only a single parent. These are all factors we talk about every week on this program. When you kill the father, when you jail the father, when you terrorize the father, when you were moving people out of the homes, this is a situation. This is just as this is just as much terrorism to this family as Walter Scott getting shot in the back. You, you know what offended me, like literally offended me, with the symbolic uh, visual aspects as well as the uh, blatant and apparent gall and audacity was this blonde-haired white reporter, Daniel Lama complaining about whether it's right or wrong for this black judge to try to get a black defendant who's being railroaded into prison a fair chance at a trial. And she's upset because someone's trying to give this man a fair chance when for so long, this is just the way you've done things, right? Man, this is just shout out to Judge... Um, let me pull his name up to the judge. Where is it? Olu Yahoo? Stevens. Olu Stevens. Okay. Shout out to, to Judge Olu Stevens for having the courage to do the right thing using your own power that is being placed in your hands in the right way. And to show that not only can you do it, but it's what should be done every time. Right. He's doing it again. New He's doing it again. Video, it. Man. Go ahead. Yeah, salute, salute. Yeah, He's doing just... it again. They said he did it a year before. Right. We'll get back into Same this. Come back on the other side of the break. I hear the music in the background, so we got to take one. Oh, okay. Be right back after these messages.
Africa to make us civilized. They came to Africa to tell us about Jesus Christ. We were in Africa, they were in Europe. They had the Bibles, we had the land. They came to be missionaries. When they left, they had the land, we still have the Bible. This is Brother Elliot, host of Time for an Awakening, and you're listening to Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennium. Peace and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. We were just talking about Judge Olu Stevens dismissing <clears throat> jurors, uh, complete juries three times apparently, uh, in an effort to try to get something called fair justice in, Al- in uh, <laughs> Louisville, Kentucky. And, yeah, uh, we, we heard. Yeah, it's a shocking concept, man. It make you think of Chris Rock talking about, you know, I'm supposed to get, you're supposed to thank somebody for doing some stuff they, they're supposed to do. The truth right. is, yeah, you're supposed to be doing that. <clears throat> but that's being radical now. If you don't just go ahead with white racist supremacy and do what they say do and call what they call justice, justice for you too, well, then you might as well not have a job. I'd like to also add that with Alabama, you know, we reported uh, last year sometime about how Alabama was actually one of the first states, if not the first state, to put in place the system of prison slavery. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it just never really changes, man. Just the whole concept. They were one of the first ones to put in place. And this was one of the state prisons, one of the first state prisons, and uh, this is when the person that owned the land would, became the warden. So that's telling you right off the bat that it's a financial incentive to imprisoning the people because the person that owned the land, if they agreed to let them build the prison on the land, they became the warden and the overseer of the people that was kept in the prison. And it was all white at that time because black black legality was handled with the whip on the plantation. It wasn't no free black folks in, in those southern states. So the labor was originally created for the poor whites. And they had them making, uh, making horse tacks and the different things you use to, to handle, you know, horses and livestock, saddles and bridles and leather goods and this type of thing is what they fashioned. That was the first experiment that they had them doing inside the prison for the labor. And by the time the Civil War rolled around, they became the industry that produced all of those types of goods for the Confederate soldiers and some of the Union soldiers. Yeah, as a matter so of fact. This is, this, this is old. I uh, recently wrote an article uh, about Alabama's convict leasing program where at one point in the height of their mining in Alabama, uh, all of almost all of their uh, their employees working in the mines were convicts leased from the prisons and 90% of those were black. Some of them who had never seen the lighted day in years that kept them right. in these mines and many of them children. And at one point they had a cave-in that killed I think it was 145 people. And again, guess what people they were? Primarily all convicts being leased out to Alabama mines. The price of your life was loitering. So you loitered, went to prison, they leased you out, and you got killed in a mine. Yeah. 
And I can tell you why they stopped doing it, because it wasn't the insurance companies, like we've reported on this program also, the original insurance policies of some of the same companies that's around right now. Aetna is one that comes right to mind. I can remember uh, my family has used Aetna Health Insurance building today. Aetna was uh, one of those uh, original companies with several others, you know, that, that are still around to this day. We've seen and posted the link to where you can see for yourself the original insurance policy numbers, like policies when the numbers was back in the double and triple digits. I am not joking with you. Was policies on those black slave chattel held black folks that worked in those convict leasing situations? It would say on there, John and Betty Smith, mm-hmm. owners of Tom. What does Tom do? Oh, he's a laborer for the whatever, whatever mine. So when all the people died in those kind of situations and then railroads, uh, working on the railroads, working in mines, working, building roads and bridges and doing all this stuff they had them doing, slave labor, when they died in those situations, the insurance companies just, it wasn't feasible financially to continue to support that. So that's what stopped those policies. Ultimately, not the humanity. Not the humanity. Just like we see right now. The pro-slavery arguments over and over again right now. Alabama was a terrible place uh, for convict leasing. As a matter of fact, Alabama is the reason why Jay Mancini uh, said in his book, One Dies, Get Another, convict leasing in the American South, where he said uh, the only difference between convict leasing and slavery was that with prisoners so plentiful, they were seen as disposable. Well, we still we're still living uh, under that paradigm to this day. <laughs> that, that's the one thing that has not changed. When it was uh, when it was strictly massa owned the slaves, and, and that was all a part of the the bottom line for your profits and your assets and all of that for that year. Yeah, they probably whoop you and beat you and try to break you, but it wasn't as common to just straight up. You know, take your life is meaning nothing and like here you could put some value to you. I mean, Wall Street itself being built on the trading of slaves. The entire, you know, stock market having basis in the slaves is the foundation of all stock trading because the slaves going to carry the load. So those were times, those were probably some of the last times that, like they talk about Black Lives Matter, that Black Lives Matter, you know, to this system. To this capitalist system of racism, white supremacy, imperialism passed all around the planet, that was some of the last times that, that it actually mattered. Now you're disposable. Yeah, that's the case we see now. And, you know, it's always about the finances because with me doing the state after state exposure in our America is Ferguson right. series, I consistently see the arguments made as to why these states want to build those prisons. And always at the very top of the list is jobs creator, boost the economy, uh, things like it's always along the economic level. What's it going to do for the city? How many jobs is it going to create? And when you listen to these private prisons sell their product, which are private prisons, that is their selling points. We're going to bring jobs to your community. We're going to uh, enrich your economy. We're going to bring so many millions of dollars into play within your communities, And we're going to get rid of all the unwanted people so you don't have to worry about them. As a matter of fact, the quarterly reports are coming out, right, Johanna? Uh, they should be coming out tomorrow for the tomorrow. GEO. And the GEO group yep. is sweating bullets right now. 
because they're possibly facing criminal charges. They may not be in existence as they know it within the next two years. It's very possible if things go the wrong way, the wrong way being Bernie Sanders elected to president. If Bernie Sanders becomes president, they're out of business. Well, we would like to believe in, in you know, we would like to believe that. And so far, I, I don't guess there's anything that's just like a, a literal uh, uh, basis to, to doubt, I guess, that that could come to pass. I don't necessarily, I don't know. I don't, I won't bet my future on that. Neither but would yeah, I. They are, they are uh, about to have their earnings, third quarter earnings uh, called tomorrow. Uh, you can go to the Geo Group's uh, website and go to Investor Relations, to the Investor Relations tab, and simply by putting in an, an email, you can make up a dummy email if you want to, it doesn't matter. Just put in an email address and uh, and some kind of a, a pseudonym if you don't want to use your actual name. I mean, it's really not a challenge at all to, to, to enter that website and to be able to listen into it live. We will, of course, uh, have a broadcast of it or some portions of it. It's not the entire thing we've done for the last few years. Um, and then there's also going to be a printed transcript of it, a text-out transcript of the whole thing as well. So we'll give you access to all of that if you can't catch it live. But that's tomorrow. Um, and then the CCA, of course, will be following them pretty closely, too, within the next few days. So uh, we'll see, you know, how it shakes out. But, I mean, as far as both of them and they're, and they're steadily, steadily uh, gaining – Momentum, you know, they're doing all they can to continue to acquire properties. CCA just acquired several more facilities on the uh, aftercare, like they were talking about their uh, continuum of care programs. Now that reform is trying to take over the narrative of abolition, they want to reform everything. So continuum of care is uh, these probation programs and like these 6,000 that was just released. You know, this is how they continue to generate an additional 40, 50, 60 million dollars a year in new business. When they acquiesced to a move like what Obama just uh, just saw oversaw the six thousand people that was released, well, they all have to go somewhere, and I think thirteen hundred or fifteen hundred of those people were uh, illegally detained immigrants caught up in the drug wars, also. So they immediately shipped them out the country. But for the rest that are here, they're going to be put into parole uh, programs where they're going to need some kind of housing and aftercare. And guess who's right there to greet them? When they come out of prison, the GO Group and CCA, as they continue to acquire prisons, put them under their company headers and banners and flags and put them right in the same system and looking to violate every single one of them they can right back into maximum custody. You know, I met America. one of the brothers on Sunday who was released because of this. Uh, I physically mm -hmm. met him. I was at an event. My wife and I were a featured artist on Halloween, and we was told in no uncertain terms, we want you to bring that abolitionism poetry here. So we did, and there was Society Hill uh, NAACP president, as well as one of the brothers who just got out, one of the 6,000, because of the uh, changes in sentencing. He said to me that I only had two months left, and I would have been out right. and not on probation. Now right. they let me go two months early, and I've got to be on probation for the next two years. So all these probation officers and monitors are suddenly making money. So there's a job creator here. Right. I, I was I mean, glad that's I got to meet that brother in person, and you know, I am too. Just say too. product of our, our efforts out here. And salute to the brother too, and you know, stand strong on your square because. 
that two years, you know, you're going to be able to do that. I, I know you're going to be able to do that and, and make it through all the traffic that's set up for you, but I'm glad that you met him so you can speak on that with such intimate knowledge because, like, I just expressed doubt over the whole Bernie Sanders phenomenon. Well, I mean, there you go, case in point. Obama's getting all the cool points he can get. I mean, you've got all these Obama bots that haven't had much to say that he's actually done because when it comes to people of color, all he's extended is a series of studies and think tank groups that are going to report to the causes of the situation and we're going to look at the numbers and figure out what he hasn't actually done anything. It's just a bunch of studies and groups and whatnot. But with this type of action affecting, you know, African-Americans so disproportionately, he looks at letting people out, obviously that's going to have to help, you know, people of color and, and, and uh, immigrants, illegal immigrants in the country. So, okay, great deal for them. But then you got this brother come out and tell you, what's the real deal? They go through the roads and go pick out people that would otherwise be free and clear completely. Yep. Throw them up, catch them up in the net of this BS lie propaganda PR ploy and put them out there and say, oh, we said 6,000 people free. Well, no, 5,250 of them was about to get out next month and be free and clear, and you just put them in another two years of GEO and CCA's aftercare. And they got to pay for monitors. They got to pay for classes. They got to pay for their housing in the halfway house. They got to pay, 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 or they get violated back. And this brother was caught up in the Society Hill policing for profit issue that he spent almost five years in prison behind that where he couldn't pay these extortion fees that came out and if you mm. google it you'll see society hill they did a 2020 episode on the policing for profit happening in there where they had these speed traps and fines and 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 uh that they were levying on people to the point where they just couldn't afford it and then it would put them into their local prisons very mm. ferguson society hill south carolina Big shout out to DJ Kelly Kell for putting that event together. Uh, hopefully we delivered. Uh, <laughs> you should have seen this, brother. It was amazing. Halloween, everybody there thinking they about their party. And here come me and Travel Rain talking about freeing people. <laughs> and right, right. Hip hop videos playing silently on the side. And I'm pointing at the video going, you see these lies they telling you on there? Who got that stuff? Who wants that stuff? You want freedom. You got people in prison right now. Someone making money off of your children being incarcerated in a place that is highlighted on 2020, and this is what you want to look at? Well, let me tell you something right. about freedom. And we went in, man, and they loved it. Yeah. That, is, that was a Halloween uh, scary situation for any, <laughs> Sol- for any Solomon Northrop that was in the crowd. We came in dressed as abolitionists. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, it was awesome. And I did make a connect with the uh, NAACP president there who is also an abolitionist now. And Yeah, I hope he's better than the one in Gaston County. I'm gonna have to, I, I've already tried to contact him. He doesn't return calls. None of his information is public and, <laughs> and you can read about him on proxyracism.com. <laughs> uh, so I hope he's better than that. But I just wanted your honor to repeat what he said. What did you say, bro? It was Halloween for Solomon Northrop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a scary situation for the, for the Solomon Northers. It really was a, a haunting. Uh, yeah, it was, wild. <laughs> it was such a contrast to other artists because it was a showcase of artists. And uh, so they had people in there talking about Katrina and uh, some people talking about, you know, uh, material things or love and sex and here come me in tribal range. And, you know, we just blew it out the water, blew people's minds. Freedom. 
Freedom, talking about freedom, you know. And that's the beautiful thing about what we do here. We stand on a strong foundation. If you can prove us wrong, the door is open. Come on in. Right. Show us how we're wrong, and we are willing to listen to logical explanations and reasonable arguments. But we don't want to hear no fallacies, and we're really on point with those. So if you're coming at me with the black-on-black crime and stuff like that, I'm probably just going to close the door in your face because you're already coming at your face wrong. You're using fallacies to prove an argument, and those are things that don't exist. Well, speaking of fallacies and arguments, um, you said you don't have a lot of faith in this whole Bernie Sanders thing, and I'm with you on that. You know, I appreciate what's been done, the history that's been made, but I, I really, you know, I just don't see him pushing the Justice is Not for Sale Act. So it pushes me to believe that he's just a sheepdog for Hillary Clinton and listening to the debates of the GOP. They've already made up their mind. They know who they're going to debate. So I don't even think Bernie's out there trying to win it. But nonetheless, he's making a lot of waves and things look good in his direction. With the newest one, as of today, putting out legislation that would legalize recreational marijuana on a federal level. I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, it would be a terrible thing if for some reason Hillary Clinton was not able to campaign any longer. They would have no choice but to take Bernie, and that would be the beginning of the end. Well, it, it would be either the beginning of the end, which, based on the history of this nation, I would hate to be Bernie Sanders uh, the first day they realize they don't have no other choice. I know. You, you better, like get, in, you better get in the bomb house. bunker. <laughs> <laughs> you better get in the bomb bunker immediately <laughs> with Two or three people he trusts because yeah, uh going to hold you to yeah. your fences. That's right. Well, I'm just saying that the powers that be, you know how to get down, right? I mean, you, you do realize that we live in a country that less than, what, 50 years ago murdered about 10 straight of the leaders of freedom in this country just like within two or three years of each other, just well, one after another, uh, president, uh, attorneys general. We've reported on the murder of the director of prisons in Colorado and well, the yeah. heart from uh, Beth Buffy McFadden, uh, Congressman Buffy McFadden, who was a uh, against privatization of prisons in Colorado, then suddenly was for them after that. And the connection to those things. Yeah, we. From here, we know exactly what they're capable of doing. And I told, I've talked to Bernie's campaign people personally, and they know what the ultimate price could possibly be. And they, they're very aware of that. Hmm. Talking about destroying billion dollar industries, and they're not going to have that. It's just, they're they're just not going to have that. You're going to have to take them out, uh, in much more forcible ways. Right. Well, uh, if you, you mentioned the, the recreational, um, marijuana, uh, laws that he, he's proposing or changes that he's proposing, I don't know, do you want to mention, uh, another reason why? I mean, there is at least reason to be somewhat wondering if he's, if he's being honest about what he's going to do as far as his record, his voting record on, uh, the Bill Clinton's legislation that helps to ramp up the, the, you know, rise of, as people call it, mass incarceration, but, you know, the, the expanding of slavery as we know it. He voted 
again and again for the uh, the omnibus crime bill back in the early to mid nineties. He was he was for it, even though he was speaking against it. In those years, he was saying no, 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 but his voting hand was going yes then. So I mean, that's why I'm kind of wondering, you know, what is he going to do now? Well, I'm under no illusions that uh, he has uh, any particular group's best interests in mind. I think that from his rhetoric, it's a one America type thing. Very much mm-hmm. what we heard from Barack Obama. His history mm-hmm. shows that he can have dueling opinions at points. But remember, for me, Plan B, when I found when, when he really just dropped the ball at the first presidential debate and didn't even mention the Justice is Not for Sale Act, like it's not worth mentioning something so historic as that, that changed my mind about him. So I went to Plan B. Plan B for me is not support uh, Bernie Sanders take down Hillary Clinton because she's a criminal of the highest order, and we've got right, the proof. Right. We've got the proof. So if she's out of the picture, the only thing left is him, and we're going to hold him to his promises. Well, we're going to have to keep uh, finding candidates. I believe that this system is so corrupt and so beyond, you know, so so in just disrepair and beyond uh, being reclaimed that I would not be at all shocked. Like I said, like that period in the, you know, late 50s through the 60s or early 70s where people was dropping like flies. I mean, if you just even said the word freedom and they thought you had even a a remote chance of implementing a little tiny piece of freedom to anybody, you just would get your head blown off, you know, get your chest blown out, get shot in the kitchen, get shot on the balcony, get shot riding by in 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 the convertible, you know, whatever. I mean... It just, I don't put any of those tactics past these people. Well, history doesn't repeat so. itself, uh, as you know. It, it, it may mm-hmm. not repeat, but it damn sure does rhyme. And what we're <laughs> essentially facing right now, what we're seeing is the uh, repeat of what Lincoln and Dunn. And those went through in that period of time. Strength and unity and lobbying and all the things that abolitionists did, they convinced him to at least give freedom a chance, you know? And that was enough to start a civil war right there. So Bernie is potentially our Lincoln. They didn't think Lincoln would win either. Uh, well, somebody, again, I'm not against them, but um, I don't know, man. I just, it's just the corporate power is just so strong. I mean, people are determined to control this narrative. I mean, uh, again, I mean, even the, the face of activism, it's like they're just so determined to control what people think, what people see, what, what's just played out here. And, and the general masses don't really want to investigate. We got the handful of abolitionists and that expands every day. And as you speak on critical mass is our goal. Um, I just, you know, I mean, even with the Hillary Clinton situation, for example, we're in a situation exactly like, and I heard y'all speaking on this in the beginning of the program before I was uh, speaking with you, about with Obama coming in and never having even promised anything to people of color. He didn't have any any reason to. They would go full for him regardless, and it's the same thing with Hillary Clinton. All, of, I mean, and when I say all, I mean at least 90%, and likely 95 to 97%, if not more, of all black elected officials across this country in whatever capacity. 
you've got to accept the fact that these people have already pledged their support to Hillary Clinton before she even got established in a campaign. We're talking about like last year up through the first of this year, April of this year, March, you know, June, July, all year long, these black elected officials from city, municipal levels, all the way up through senators, governors, everything, whatever, the black congressional black caucus, all of these people are behind Hillary Clinton, no matter what. So even if we vote as individuals, we've already voted these people into place, and the ones that are not black skinned, the black folks voting them in because they're Democrats, put them in place, they're behind us. So when you have a situation like this, when you have given away your political power, it's not even a matter of... You just gave it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about lesser of two evils and whatnot. <laughs> Hello? Is it just me? You know, uh, Johanna, oh, just get no, me. No, man, I'm, okay. I'm here. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> man, I had the dog on mute on. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, I see he was making the switch over to the headset. Yeah, yeah, to get a, hopefully more clear. But no, just when you give away your political power like that without without any kind of demand, you're never going to get anywhere. And these people just keep their jobs, keep their salary, keep their public their public persona, their public, uh, what do you call it, their, their lofty position and title of being somebody. Their fraternity dues get paid. Their sorority dues get paid. They keep taking vacations and hobnobbing with celebrities and red carpet life. And you stay in the oppression that you've been in because you did not have a demand in your hand. Hillary Clinton told the Black Lives Matter people behind, behind the scenes when they met her and so-called confronted her. Look, I can't do anything about how people feel. People are going to be racist on the inside, even if I, you know, I mean, what do you want from me? You got to give me something that you have in place that I can incorporate into my strategies and work mm, with mm, to make it come to pass. You know, normally I would have said at that point, I wish that they were aware of the abolitionist movement because they'd have a plan to place in front of them. Right, right. Uh, they would have some kind of uh, thing to say that this is what we want you to do rather than just some general we're being oppressed. Uh, let's work something out idea but uh that wasn't the case and even if it had been the case she is still guilty of crimes against humanity and i'm not talking about war crimes i'm talking about right here in the united states of america she's the reason that young girl was beat up in columbia south carolina because the cops wouldn't be in the schools if it wasn't for her policies put into place to get these cops jobs in places like that if it wasn't for her and her husband's policies uh, we wouldn't have the initial public offering of some of the largest companies, corporate, private corporations in the freaking world right now, being the, the CCA and GEO group, who her and her husband personally made millions off of the yes. incarceration of people of color in this country. They personally did it, made money off it put it forward while he was sitting president and had money invested in the companies. Now, how the hell is that not criminal? Well, Elijah Cummings loves her when she was sitting on that Benghazi panel 
under the lights, as he said, and, and giving her all this. I just want to, I just admire you. I just want to say, I admire your strength. And just, I mean, come on, you want to talk about butter biscuits, Scotty? Damn, mm-hmm. you could put Pillsbury out of business trying to get that Negro his due. This man is a, I mean, come on, just dancing and singing and bucking and shucking and gonna get them butter biscuits. How, like you said, this is a war criminal. Uh, he, uh, crimes against humanity violator, a constitutional right violator, a, I mean, a murderer. A, what? Come on, man. And this is a serious candidate for the next president of the right. United States of America. I can't even wrap she my mind around the one percent. She is the one percent. She um, is the oppressor. Her family is part of all the problems that we face in the United yeah. States today. And you want to yeah. put her in charge of the country? Yeah. Come on. You're just going to give away your your votes just because she's on the Democratic ticket. You don't yes. care about anything else. Just You just want Democrats to win, but she's been in bed, her husband and her, with private prison since day one, making yes. millions and millions to become one of the 1% on the backs of blacks, reds, and, and whites across the country, black, browns, reds, and whites across the country. But you're just going to say, go ahead, be president. What do you think is going to happen next? And it's a shame that she met with the families of uh, slain uh, children, parents who had slain. It's a shame that this woman got to sit down and break bread with them and say, what can I do to help? Oh, sure. oh, I I started working on the article, but then I was building the website, proxyracism.com. And John Lewis definitely getting a butter biscuit nomination for oh, setting up. Oh, that's what I meant, uh, Lewis. Yeah, my bad. What did I say, Cummings? No, Cummings was on the Benghazi, and he did do everything that you said. Oh, okay, okay. But John yeah. Lewis and those other, other and Al Sharptons and and uh probably you know people in different branches of the NAACP, uh, you know they are the ones that setting them up with the victims of these families, setting Hillary Clinton up. With the, yeah. you know, and, and then, so, but I'm not, the article, the way that I've uh, written it thus far is not putting any blame on Sabrina Fulton, uh, Jordan Davis parents, uh, Michael Brown's. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. But wait a minute though. Yeah. It, it, I'm not blaming them, but there we do have to take some responsibility and see situations where people are using us. And that's why I say unwittingly. We, mm-hmm. we yeah. allow ourselves become proxy tools of racism. Now, in that situation, you're not the same as this judge that was, if you ain't got no money, you going to jail, uh, or, or give some blood. You know what I'm saying? That's a proxy racist. He's then acquired a little bit of power. He's educated man. He's probably in a sorority, like Johannes said. And so he know better. Cause see, you gotta know better to do better. So we had to expect, uh, when these crimes happen, man, they got to be prosecuted. Now, um, since he is a black person, oh, you better, you better believe they're going to sacrifice him like Chris Epps. He's going to spend some time in the slavery, but the vast majority of the judges that's doing this is white judges, oh, yeah. male and female. Right. And, right. and even prosecutors and like, where they show that they have, uh, uh, 
uh, you know, uh, set somebody up and, and committed crimes or prosecutorial misconduct and probably whatever else the Justice Department, like in the Ferguson uh, report said, they broke federal law, but you don't name the law and there's no prosecution. So what's that about? But I mean, just never any accountability, but they, these black people like Christopher Epps, proxy racist tools, you was living high on them butter biscuits for what a good 10 years, 15 years. I, I don't know. I don't know how long this judge was, uh, was on the set, you know, uh, but yeah, man, those, those are proxy racist. They're educated. There's no pleading ignorance and, and whatnot that I only went to as far as the, the, um, seventh grade and dropped out and I got put in the prison of, you know, the school to prison pipeline. I've mean, been in a detention facility. So by the time I turn 18, I ain't trying to go to college. I'm going to check in with my probation officer with, you know, Correction Corporation, GO group, like, like, uh, brother Johannes said earlier, man. So man. Uh, it's the, the manure, the, um, the manure is just so deep, man. Yes. And, and, and again, and these are people that look like us. These are our family members. And mm-hmm. so I say again, the enemy is at us. So the one thing about abolitionists and what they said about the American Civil War, that it pitted cousin against cousin, father against son, son again. And, and, and we may have like just overlooked that and, you know, remember that. And, and whatnot, but really slavery will do, did do that in it, it split families. It, it, it really did. So that's how hardcore you gotta be. In my opinion, if you want to call yourself an abolitionist today, that means, uh, that if George Zoli is your uncle or, or whatnot, uh, you know, I gotta stay codified, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm done. Well, that's what the truth does, man. The truth is, the truth is gonna always split, uh, split one, one from another. I mean, that's even scriptural. I mean, the, the, the Messiah himself said, you know, that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be whole entire houses and families, households and families that split right down the middle over the truth. So clearly abolitionism is the truth. Clearly slavery is evil. Clearly these systems are still in place and, and being uh, promoted and pumped up and given life and, and having its life extended because it can't exist on its own. So it has to be on the life support of people's disbelief, the life support of people's greed, the life support of people with a hunger for butter biscuits and fame and fortune and, and a good pat on the head like a good boy. This is what, this is what sustains the life of this evil because it can't live on its own. If you didn't have these people doing what they're doing to keep what it was a mouth to mouth resuscitated, it, it would die on its own. So the truth's gonna split it up. The truth will set you free. Hmm. And, uh, that's all we're trying to get involved in. And when people start telling us how what we're talking about ain't that important or they act like they've talked all about it come to the conclusion that we're wrong without presenting any evidence right. don't even want to consider the argument or don't even put in the into their mind the idea that slavery is a system too and it's a huge system and rather have us focus on other things that is very divisive and it hurts us coming to a final conclusion and a final uh, end to the problems we face here in the United States of America where slavery was never abolished, mm. where it's still being practiced legally and constitutionally, 
through the 13th Amendment exception clause, and right in your face, you can see that punishment has a price tag. There's a saying by one abolitionist, and I can't say remember it verbatim, but basically it says slavery is having a price and being bought for that price. Well, we can tell you how much it costs to incarcerate an adult in every state and a juvenile in every state. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio here on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. We'll be right back after these early messages. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up, when famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions, when the Lord's anger is no longer feared, if his protection is gone and your enemies are near, if you've seen the seas spill over and the mountains shake, break, and fall, if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all, rise up, no matter if the prize is high in the sky. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. Peace and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Hey, Brother Scotty, did I hear you say earlier that if we needed a few extra minutes, we could have it? Scotty yes, Reed? sir, I did. Okay, cool. Because uh, there's a story that I want to put on but uh, to talk about, which I thought is a wonderful thing, but I would be willing to cut it if we had to be on time. This story that's coming out is about this new tool this company is using uh, where you can get an application online that will allow you to search your portfolios and find out if you're invested in privately owned prisons or municipal jail bonds. Now, we've reported here that many, many, especially in the federal government, employed by the federal government, have their retirement funds invested in the construction of private prisons, like the teachers' union collectively has almost $100 million invested in the construction of private prisons. We've also had victories like Columbia University, uh, the Columbia Divest Program, where Columbia University had tens of millions of dollars invested in private prisons. Well, you can find out if your 401k is invested in prisons by using this app. It's uh, November 2nd, 2015. Denver Human Rights Advocates are deploying a new digital tool to help convince corporations to stop profiting from mass incarceration. More than 2.4 million people are currently behind bars in the U.S., more than any other nation, according to the American Friends Service Committee. Dalit Baum, AFSC's Director of Economic Activism, is set to unveil the committee's new platform called Investigate at the annual Sustainable Responsible Impact Investments Conference this week in Colorado. She points out that prisons, funded by taxpayers, are big business for private companies. There is plenty of evidence of corporate power being used in order to change legislation, create harsher incarceration terms, build more prisons, says Baum. The, these corporations have a stake in mass incarceration. 
She also says the web application is not just an informational site. She says for the first time, people will be able to automatically scan their investment portfolios and find out if they are invested in the prison industry. She's hopeful the platform will give investors and consumers the information they need to decide whether or not to support companies making money on mass incarceration. Uh, she says a lot of people are familiar with high-profile private prison companies such as the Corrections Corporation of America or the Geo Group, but says this new tool helps expose firms people might not realize operate throughout the industry, from transportation and telephone companies to food and even probation services. You can... Use it in order to upload a list of holdings, says Baum. Your school, if you're a student of faculty, upload it to your tool, and it will highlight potential problematic companies. I love this idea, guys. I just love the idea that the individual can now go and see if they're invested in prisons and find out how, because it's not always just invested in CCA and Geo Group. You could be invested in companies that profit off prisons like McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's and Walmart and uh, even uh, Victoria's Secrets and things like that. That's pretty awesome, man. And the teachers can do it themselves now as well as anybody else that's has a 401k or retirement plan. It'd be interesting to see, <clears throat> be interesting to see how, uh, the, the powers that be, the folks that are definitely profiting from all of this, try to spin this or bury it one or the other. I don't know what they will try to do because this makes it pretty obvious, you know? I mean, when we've been, uh, so deep in study and, and investigating and research and, and coming up with clues and bits and pieces and kind of piecing the story together for years, you know, just in this effort and on this program, um, here's something that finally brings it all together. You know, we've had to do our own individual investigation through different types of investment websites and resources that are out there and find these people and track them down and explain to people the depths of all the connections and do all this conspiratorial fact finding. But here you have a tool that all you got to do is just sign on and run your stuff through there and it'll point it all out to you. So kudos to them, abolitionists salute um, to, to AFSC for what they've done here. And at the same time, on the other side of the spectrum, though, Dalit Baum, who's the director of economic activism, still struggles to call this what it is, which is mm -hmm. slavery. I mean, that stands out to me like a sore thumb. There's evidence, plenty of evidence of corporate power being used in order to change legislation, create harsher incarceration in turns, build more prisons. These corporations have a stake in mass incarceration. Okay. 1840, let's just say, this exact same sentence being applied to existing corporations during those years and the exact same connection being made to people that are working for free or for slave wages, being victimized by being kidnapped, terrorized, corralled, and brought into a system without any fault of their own in most cases, or being lied on and being disparaged, being uh, being demonized to to prove that they deserve to be put in this said kidnapping and slavery system, like all from the 1500s, 16, 17, 1800s. What we know by world history, we know what was happening to those people, and we see what's happening right now. But you still can't just say the words. This is slavery, man. So, uh. 
I mean, you get a little sunshine and, you know, then here come a cloud right behind it. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand you on that one, man. But I like the app. Uh, yeah. It, gets, it puts power in people's hands to do something. Yes. To find out for yourself so you have the choice now. I know, and now I can act on what I know. And it's up to you. So now the burden's in your hand. I love giving the burden to somebody else. You can take your own burden. We ain't got to carry it no more. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. That'll give us, that'll free us up to do, uh, this political fact finding we've been doing, digging in the, digging in the dirt and finding out about, you know, this, the, the, the candidates and the foolishness they really got going on. And we, you know, we can free us up and do some other things like Scotty with the, with the website kicking off and you continuing to do what you do. I mean, just so, because that does take a lot of time when you, are studying these sites and trying to find these clues and put these pictures together for people to be able to understand and maintain their attention because it's the microwave generation. And a lot of these stories are long drawn out explanations that lead to something that will be earth shattering and, and narrative destroying and really consciousness changing. But sometimes it just, it just, it escapes people's immediate ability to just okay just give me the facts well the facts are still going to be vague if i just give it to you in a two-second explanation but now you got a website which serves that microwave attention span hey sign on put in your stuff oh wow everything i'm invested in is connected to slavery okay well let me try to figure out how to get out of this right 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 yeah that's that's pretty awesome and you can rest assured within the next day or two i'll have that resource available for you on the new word where we keep a lot of our information and resources for you to access easily. So if you really want to know about modern-day slavery and human trafficking, uh, we put all that information right there at your fingertips. So you can use it as you see fit. Um, I'd like to give an opportunity for callers to call in, uh, since we do have some extra time today and we're running a little late, haven't done our American as Ferguson, but we got a couple extra minutes. Brother Scotty's being generous today with us. Uh, if you'd like to call in and become a part of the conversation, have a question or comment for the host, uh, dial us at 1-641-715-3660, extension 549-032-POUND, press star 6 and 1 to queue up from the conference line. If you're already on the conference line, just press star 6 and 1 so Scotty will know that you'd like to ask a question or make a comment. All right, well, um, Scotty, anybody on there already? He might not have the, he might have had a board up. But we got a, we got the, uh, uh, Underground Railroad. You want to go to that? Oh, well, no. The, the American is Ferguson would be next. Oh, okay. Uh, right on. Right yeah. On. The America is Ferguson. And, uh, this is, uh, you know, been two weeks since we did the America is Ferguson, uh, when we were last on, uh, because of, you know, everything going on in my personal life and which it still is, uh, I wasn't able to do the research, but this week I got the research for you on Nevada, uh, private prisons for profit, huge department of correction, uh, budgets, human trafficking and racial inequity and sentencing and arrests. Today we go deep into the desert with our America is Ferguson series and show you that Nevada is Ferguson. So let's start off with the quick facts regarding people. Population, 2014, 2.8 million people. Of that 2.8 million people, white alone represents 76.2%. So it is undoubtedly primarily a white state. 
black or African Americans alone uh, represent 9.1%. So less than 10% of the entire state's population. Native Americans represent 1.6%. Hispanic or Latino represent a large 27.8%. So basically 28% for uh, Latinos or Hispanics. Business quick facts. As of 2007, there were 221,260 businesses in Nevada. Of those businesses, black-owned firms represented 3.9%. American Indians, uh, natives, represented 0.8%. And Hispanics represented 8.1%. As we've seen in every single state, women-owned firms represented 28.6%. Now let's go into the jail system. Nevada has 17 counties. According to the latest jail sentence census taken in 2006, again, every time I say that the latest was 2006, it just makes my teeth itch. The latest jail census taken in 2006, there are 22 jail facilities and 6,346 inmates. There are no jail standards or inspection programs in the states. So basically, this is one of those states where you can get away with anything in your jails. There's no inspection standards, no standards at all. The prison system. As of December 31st, 2013, the Nevada prison population was 13,056. The agency operates eight institutions, nine camps. I really would like to know what that means, nine camps a transition housing center, and a restitution center with a staff of 2,083. The community correction system. The Department of Public Safety, Division of Parole and Probation supervises approximately 19,000 probationers and parolees statewide. The division has 10 regional offices throughout the states. Facts and figures. Department of Correction costs. The annual budget is $568,351,143 as of 2013. The annual cost per inmate, it's one of those states that will arrest you on the cheap, $20,175 per adult. Department of Correction staff and population. Total number of open adult institutions, 19. Total department full-time personnel, 3,147. Total incarceration, incarcerated under DOC jurisdiction, 13,056. The average age of incarcerated people for male is 39 years old. The average age for females is 37 years old. Apparently, everybody commits crimes around the same time. Parole population is 5,809. Now, there's some overcrowding quick facts, and this is mind-blowing when you consider the reality of it. Over the past few years, Nevada's prisons have gone from operating at over 100% capacity to uh, over, oh, actually, it's good news, to 94% capacity in 2011. I thought that was 194. So they reduced their capacity by basically 5.4%. So kudos to you. The crime rate in Nevada... 2013 is about 13% higher than the national average rate. Property crimes account for for about 82% of the crime rate in Nevada, which is 5% higher than the national rate. The remaining 18% are violent crimes and are about 73% higher than other states. So there's more violence going on in Nevada. Nevada, as of 2013, 
has a rate 16% higher than the national average of incarcerated in prison adults per 100. So it's more violent and they have more prisoners. They arrest more people. And also they have a rate of 62% lower than the national average number of probationers per 100,000. As of 2013, Nevada has a rate 3% lower than the national average number of parolees per 100,000. And taxpayers in Nevada paid about 36% lower than the other states per inmate in 2012, 20,000 versus a national average of 32,000. So they'll arrest you and incarcerate you in Nevada for $12,000 less than the national average. It's amazing when you hear these things, knowing that usually these are the same companies doing the same thing. So how do the prices to put somebody in prison change so drastically from state to state? But hey, somebody will figure it out now. Prison and jail incarceration rates, 2005 is the latest information uh, per 100,000 population. In Nevada, for every 627 whites that are incarcerated, there are 2,916 blacks and 621 Hispanics. That is a rate of almost 5 to 1 where African Americans make up little more than 9% of the entire population but are being incarcerated at a rate of five to one, five to one. These are this, these statistics should just have you pulling your freaking hair out. Like how it is, is it even possible? I say this every week, unless you're surrounding these African-American communities, communities and using them as hunting grounds to put into these prisons. According to the justice policy report, Nevada taxpayers, spend $195,000 a year to incarcerate teenagers. So the youth, again, have a bounty on their heads of $195,000. So if you're young and in Nevada, try to stay away from Popo because the minute they put your ha- their hands on you, you become worth two hundred grand to the prison system. Nevada uses prison slave labor. The average hourly rate paid at a prison camp in Nevada is 13 cents per hour to work in Nevada as a prisoner. There you have it. Nevada is Ferguson. Now, as usual, I have some stories that I have which are associated and will uh, also confirm everything that I'm saying here even further uh, that came up. And I'll share those on the new abolitionist radio webpage, but you can find them right now at our Move to Abolish 21st Century page on Facebook. Some of the headlines that are out is uh, one from the Associated Press, where they say the state has stepped up its monitoring of the privately run Southern Nevada Women's Correctional Center in North Las Vegas after an inmate became pregnant and a guard named her as the father. Howard Skolnick, the assistant director, now listen to the reasoning here, and then we're going to give you a comparison. The assistant director of the Nevada Department of Corrections said Corrections Corp of America, based in Nashville, Tennessee, has placed the guard on administrative leave and prison officials are investigating to see whether criminal charges should be filed. It's a felony for a guard to have sexual relationships with an inmate, even if it's consensual. And they say, we believe it was consensual. Now, how the hell can you be locked in a cage having sex with someone of the opposite sex in a women's prison and it at all be consensual. That's like where they tried to say that uh, someone's servant, I think it was uh, 
Thomas Jefferson's mission. Sally Hemings. Right. Was his I'm so glad y'all, and, y'all got slate. it right. I'm so glad y'all got it right because I was thinking Minister Farrakhan told y'all do y'all research on Thomas <laughs> Jefferson and, and how, how his grand ideals on justice. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That he raped. And then, I mean, I, and we put this out, uh, uh, your heritage is hate campaign that Black Talk Media Project was running, uh, doing that whole flag. I mean, after the murder of our people down there at Emmanuel and. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so that's what it remind me of. I mean, yeah, we call this female prisoner. But, but it's more, it's more sex. sick than that. It's more sick and despicable than that. Do you know that was his wife's half sister? <laughs> and he bought her from her, his father-in-law. So he hey, bought man. his, wow. you can't, what do they say? You can't help who you love. Wow. Ain't that what they say? <laughs> you, you can't help who you fall in love with. So, you know, let's, let's, let's not, let's not, uh, uh, be anti-American and, and, and call our, uh, great forefather to task. We have to be supportive and, and, you know. A couple of other stories I want to bring out about Nevada, how Nevada is Ferguson. Just recently here in 2015, director of the prisons, director Cox resigned and he didn't give any reason and they didn't give any reason why he resigned. And apparently they're putting E.K. McDaniel uh, as the appointed interim director. And they say that McDaniels testified to the ACAJ that there is no solitary confinement in Nevada, which was a lie. And in the opinion of NV Cure, this shows that McDaniels will lie to the legislator that he can't be trusted with the well-being of prisoners or tax dollars and that he must not be appointed to a permanent position as a director. So they apparently try to bring in a blatant liar as the new director and the old director just stepped down of these prisoners from from these prisons. So I think there's something very fishy going on here, particularly considering CCA is involved. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of the other stories will show you how deeply that goes. And here's another one where it says, recently, a situation involving the use of prison labor in Nevada has drawn the attention of business owners and state officials alike after several steel companies discovered that one of their competitors had been using prison labor to cut costs mm. and secure contracts. The labor was provided by prisoners, remember this, uh, 13 cents an hour, working in Silver State Industries, Nevada's prison industry program, at the High Desert State Prison in Indian Springs. The prisoners were paid uh, minimum wage while employees on the outside received between $17 and $20 per hour for the same types of job. Now, they're saying minimum wage, but minimum wage for prisoners in Nevada is $0.13 cents an hour. Uh, also, we found that policing for profit exists in Nevada with several stories where cops use traffic stops to seize millions from drivers who are never charged with a crime, come to find out that in Nevada, they're one of those special states where everything they take, they keep. Uh, it says, the incentives behind civil forfeiture make accusations like these all too plausible. Nevada, Nevada has scant protections for property owners against forfeiture abuse. According to Policing for Profit, a report published by the Institute for Justice, police can seize property under a legal standard lower than the beyond a reasonable doubt standard used in criminal convictions. Owners bear the burden of proof, meaning they have to prove their innocence in court. In addition, law enforcement agencies keep 100% of the forfeiture proceeds while they are required 
to keep records on forfeiture, Nevada law enforcement refused to provide IJ with such information, nor is Nevada an outlier. 25 other states allow police to pocket all of the proceeds from civil forfeiture. Property owners must prove their innocence in civil forfeiture proceedings in 37 other cases. So it goes on and on to show you Nevada is Ferguson and they're exploiting the citizens in a prison for profit scheme that includes everything from rape to murder and African Americans and Latinos, uh, but in particularly African Americans who only make up 9% of the population in a state that is more than three quarters white represent five out of every six of the prisoners in their cells in jails and prisons. So there you have it. There you have it. New Abolitionist Radio right here on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Nevada is Ferguson of the America is Ferguson series. We'll be right back after this. Tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling. Visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Peace and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. We are going into overtime. Been a long time since we went into overtime. We used to always <laughs> go into overtime, man. It's our first time in a while. We appreciate this, Scotty Reed. Uh, we're going to do our, our final couple of segments. We should be done within the next 20 to 30 minutes, and we appreciate you being here with us. You could be anywhere, but you chose to hear some truth. Some people talking about things that might actually solve some problems rather than running around in circles, and we thank you for that. For that. Uh, our next segment coming up is going to be our 21st century rider of the Underground Railroad. We always try to uh, recognize the people who have gained their freedom through the many organizations and individuals, including those who free themselves uh, here in our 21st century Underground Railroad. We don't have a north to go to yet, but we do have a railroad in play. And this week's rider of the 21st century Underground Railroad is George Allen Jr., who was exonerated on January 18, 2013 in St. Louis, Missouri, after serving over 30 years in prison for the murder, murder of Mary Bell, a young court reporter. Allen was convicted based in part on a false confection confession, police tunnel vision, and blood type evidence that was said to include Allen, but actually eliminated him as a possible contributor. Brother Johanna? Absolutely. Oh man. Here we go. Let me give let me get my get myself steadied for this foolishness here we're about to hear about folks. Uh the crime on the evening of February fourth, nineteen eighty two Mr. Bell was discovered, or excuse me, Bell was discovered in her home, uh, dead in her home by her live-in boyfriend, he's not a suspect, who contacted the police. The autopsy showed that the cause of death was multiple stab and incised wounds to the victim's back and neck, and there was evidence consistent with sexual assault. The investigation and identification, initially police suspected a known sex offender, Kirk Eaton, whose brother resided in the victim's apartment building and who himself lived only four or six blocks away. Additionally, the victim's boyfriend, who she lived with, and husband, who she was separated from, were also early suspects. But on March 14, 1982, by a chance encounter, police approached George Allen several blocks from the victim's house and mistaking him for Eaton, brought him in for questioning. That's what it turns on, people. Remember that. That's what your life turns on. That's why we allege slavery. 
That's why we talk about terrorism. This is terrorism. Just a chance and cat. This man was just mind his own business. Hey, that might be him. What was it? James Blake, the tennis player, rich black man. <laughs> Got the same treatment today. Detective Herbert Riley later realized the mistake, but he initiated an interrogating Allen nevertheless. Allen, who has an extensive history of severe mental illness. This man is legally retarded. I'm just going to tell you. I've seen his pictures. I've read this story many times over the years. He's, he's legally functionally functioning retarded. So they go ahead and interrogate him with no attorney or no nothing, including hospitalizations for schizophrenia. He eventually confessed to raping and murdering the victim. What the hell did the police care? Huh, the real rapist and murderers are still out there, but we put this Negro in jail, so move on. Ultimately, Allen was convinced uh, that, uh, by Detective Riley that police had evidence against him, which was untrue. His protestations of innocence were futile, and consequently, the only alternative was to falsely confess. On the recording, Allen can be heard informing the officers that he is under the influence of alcohol. Throughout the interrogation, the detective asks highly leading questions and prompts Mr. Allen to give him answers to fit the crime, often asking Allen to change his answer to do so. In those few instances where the detective did not ask a leading question, Allen confessed to facts that actually conflict with the known facts of the crime. Damn. So, the trial. Prosecutor's primary evidence at trial was the confession and testimony by a police lab analyst that was later proven to be false. We've told you a thousand times about these crooked-ass lab techs, man. The analyst testified that semen was found on the carpet under the victim's body in her vaginal and rectal swabs and several other places. He testified that the only antigens recovered from seminal fluid at the scene were A and H antigens, which could not exclude Allen as the source of the semen. The prosecution emphasized this in its closing argument. If Allen had been excluded as the source of the semen, quote, we wouldn't be here. We know that he couldn't have, but it's so consistent, unquote. There was no other physical evidence even linking him to the crime scene. So he did this because we can't exclude that he didn't do it. That's that's a, a reasonable doubt, isn't it? Mary Bell's work colleague, Pamela Ann Richardson, spoke with Bell at her home by phone between 10 and 10.15 a.m. and made arrangements to come to Bell's home to pick up some work materials. By the time Richardson arrived between 10.30 and 10.45, the perpetrator was already inside the home. Investigators used the highly unreliable tool of hypnosis to improve her memory. With the primary focus on whether or not Richardson had called out the victim's name while knocking on the door the morning of the crime, which is consistent with Allen's statement that he heard someone call a name. Police reports show that the witness was initially uncertain whether she had called out a victim's name, but she later testified at trial after the hypnosis session that she was certain that she had done so. This hypnosis session was not revealed to the defense or to the prosecutor. Allen's first trial, even with all of this bullshit. I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm, I don't even know where that came from. I really didn't realize. Wow. Even with all of this, I just told you, this man still had a trial that was 10 to 2 in favor of acquitting him. Come on, man. Everything I just told you they did to this man. 
And the people were still 10 to 2 trying not to put him in jail. Allen presented an alibi defense and with three witnesses testified that he was snowed in at home at the time of the murder. At his second trial, he was convicted on capital murder, rape, sodomy, and first-degree burglary and sentenced to 50 years for capital murder, 15 years consecutively on each of the other three charges. Oh, God. Salute to this brother. They finally got him out. I'm, I'm salute. I, I don't know what else to say. Max, Scotty, somebody. Salute, brother. Welcome to freedom. You know, maybe next week we should switch and you do the abolitionist. I'm going to have to change, man, because I can't take it no more, man. <laughs> I, I really can't. Doing that one, yeah. I can't. I, I know my limitations. Yeah, I mean, y'all can't hold that against me. I just can't take it no more, man. It's just like you deal with these people every day of your life. You talk to these idiots that, I mean, you got the David Clarks of the world that will fight tooth and nail to, to tell you that every person that, that, that comes in contact with law enforcement some kind of way is a thug, is a criminal. They deserve what they get. If they, if you murder them, rape them, beat them, ruin their life, you know what? They deserve it somehow. And he's especially talking to black folks. He hates Black Lives Matter. He hates black any lives person. Lives Matter, he calls it. Yes. Yes, he mm-hmm. hates any, I mean, you, and he's just one example of millions of people who believe this and think this way in this country. This is what these people think and believe and want to keep going on in this world. This man is functionally retarded. Just happened to be walking down the street one day. Police picked him up and said, mm-hmm, he's black, he'll do. He'll do. You're and put this man through all of this for these years of his years. life. Oh my God. They had to uh, convict him because they couldn't prove. How do they say it? Stars? They had to convict him because they couldn't prove that it wasn't him. They couldn't. Ex- they couldn't exclude him with the DNA evidence. We can't use the DNA to say it wasn't him. It could be his semen. I mean, bah. that could apply to every person in the freaking country. What I mean, you, Your Honor? So I guess we got to convict you because we can't prove it wasn't you. I mean, you could have just as easily taken the judge's semen and did the same thing and said, well, we can't exclude the judge either. Which one of y'all did this? Wow. I'm well, sorry, y'all. To the audience and to the listeners, and well, I, I apologize. That completely came out of my spirit right then. What I, I apologize. I don't try to drop those kind of bombs. Yeah, I, we, I just don't know, man. We're in a unique position where we're very much acutely aware of how corrupt, how bad, how systemic this is. The average person doesn't really get it, but we get it to the fullest degree because we're here reporting on these stories that too many are not listening to. Right. And this is family. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think it may be if a person misunderstands and not seeing anybody is complaining. I mean, hell, for all I know, it's a thousand people listening. It's like, hell yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. But the point being, and for future listeners, you know, and, and the podcast goes on in the, you know, infinity into the future, just understand, I wholeheartedly believe with every cell in my being that this is my uncle. This is my brother. This, this is my blood relative right here we talking about. When I'm telling you these people's stories, when I'm talking about systems that are oppressing and killing us, marginalizing us, disappearing, talking about this is my my father, my this is me. This is not some random black dude that just got caught up. This is me. You damn right I'm upset about this. This is me. I'm walking down the street and some pig just, come here. And I'm gone. 
that 30 years later, here I come, y'all. I'm free. <laughs> wow. And this is the yep. authority. This is the moral authority of our society. These, these people. This is the people telling us right and wrong. I'm going to stop. Let me go. You know, we just found out that, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but just briefly, the policeman who shot the young man here in Columbia, South Carolina at the gas station didn't kill him, but shot him because he didn't get his ID. He was getting his ID out as he was told to do. Uh, they just found out that him and his wife were, they were caught shoplifting. Yeah. (laughs) And now he's facing jail time. Begging the judge not to put him in jail. So you thought it was okay to shoot a man. Right. Because he was getting his ID thinking he's getting a gun. He's a black guy, a scary black guy here in Columbia, South Carolina. In the meantime, you and your wife are thieves. Yeah. Well, times get hard. Look what they did. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Imagine that. Times got tough. He didn't have that that, uh, public public job uh, check coming in. He had something else he had to do. For all those cops and all those lawyers and prosecutors and judge, I'm going to tell you what Tupac said. Only God can judge me. Well, this brings us to our our next segment and uh, almost done with the program, which will be our writer, I mean, our abolitionist in profile. And uh, we respect our elders and we tell their stories many years gone now. And some of our abolitionists in profile have been modern day abolitionists where we give props where they belong. Scotty, you want to cue up our music? I'm loving the fact that this is all the archive. Our abolitionist in profile today is George DeBaptiste who was born to free black parents in Fredericksburg, Virginia in 1815. As a young man, he apprenticed to a barber in Richmond, Virginia. Subsequently, DeBaptiste secured employment as a manservant to a wealthy southerner. Later, he served as a personal valet to General William Henry Harrison. When Harrison became president of the United States, DeBaptiste was appointed as a steward in the White House. Uh, after Harrison's death, DeBaptiste and his wife returned to their former home in Madison, Indiana. Madison, Indiana, overlooks the Ohio River and was a destination for runaway slaves from Kentucky. The Ohio River served as a fluid boundary between free Indiana and slaveholding Kentucky. De Baptiste had briefly been employed on riverboats and may have used his knowledge to ferry slaves across the Ohio River to an underground railroad agent in Indiana. When riots against free blacks broke out in Indiana in 1845 and 1846, De Baptiste moved his family to Detroit, Michigan. Detroit had an established free black community when De Baptiste arrived in 1846. There was a black Baptist church, a school for black children in the church building, and several black-owned businesses. De Baptiste engaged in successful commercial ventures. He purchased an interest in a barbershop, owned a catering business, and brought real estate. He rose in black political circles and became known as an abolitionist and an important agent on the Underground Railroad. The activities of the Underground Railroad in Detroit intensified in 1850 when the federal government passed the Fugitive Slave Law, much like today's mass incarceration laws. The law permitted the apprehension and return of escaped slaves who had settled in free states, Detroit proximity to Canada, where blacks lived freely made the city a uniquely important stop on the Underground Railroad. The Detroit River was a bustling port and an avenue of escape. In 1850, 
DeBaptiste purchased the steamship T. Whitney and hired a white man to pilot. The boat could be used as a commercial vessel and as a conveyance, secretly transporting ex-slaves to freedom in Canada. On March 12, 1859, DeBaptiste was one of the locally prominent abolitionists who met in Detroit with Frederick Douglass and John Brown to listen to Brown's plans for armed rebellion at Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. When the Civil War began, DeBaptiste energetically worked to form the Michigan Colored Infantry and was appointed the unit's suit sutler. At war's end, DeBaptiste returned to Detroit, sold the T. Whitney, and devoted his time to political causes, notably the passing of the 15th Amendment and the Constitution, to the Constitution of the United States. DeBaptiste devoted considerable energy to abolish slavery in the United States and to guarantee the vote for all black males. He witnessed the achievement of both goals by the time of his death in Detroit in 1875. And we here at New Abolitionist Radio salute you. Salute. Although there is an error in that. At the end, they say he witnessed the achievement of both goals by the time of death in Detroit. And that is how we were all fooled in that time. I believe the only one I'm aware of that knew what was going on was Frederick Douglass. I'm sure he had people around him who agreed with him, but he's the only one I've been able to find any literature on from that period who said, hey, this is not right. There's an exception clause, and they're right. on my people in South Carolina, Georgia, North Carolina, and Alabama right now. <clears throat> so, yeah, man, and and it shows that how abolitionists covered every perspective. We was we was part of everything. We were part of the fabric of America, like we are now. Doctors, because, lawyers, teachers, right. students, everywhere. Yeah. Well, slavery is a part of the fabric of America. So <laughs> the the only cure for you know what I mean. The only cure is to go in and be bound to every cancerous cell with the with the cure. Are you going to leave some still in there? It's still going to be death in the body. So the only way to get all of slavery out of America is to put abolition in everything in America. Yeah, it's got to be the top of your list. It has to be. If you're not, <clears throat> if you don't think ending legalized slavery is not the pi- priority in this country, then you've got your priorities twisted. I mean, yeah. really, what is more important uh than that at this point? I mean, even if, Faced with the option, uh, just a rhetorical or not even rhetorical, but a, a you know, a figurative, uh, option of cure cancer, free my people. Guess where I'm going? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going with free my people. A lot of the systems that create cancerous, <laughs> cancerous ca- uh, cases in the folks have to do with extensions of, of the slave system. So I will still say slavery is like you said, yeah. number one. And not but just apparently, temporarily like we did with the 6,000, but stop the hunting of my people so they no longer have to live like that. Right, right. Well, we're, uh, we're surrounded by all sorts of activist groups, um, that have all sorts of other agendas and it just continues to amaze me when i read their literature and their their press releases white papers uh listen to their speeches see their conferences where they meet with one another and continue to work and see i'm about the peace and i'm about working with whoever is willing to try to work with us or what have you so don't get me wrong i'm not out here trying to just throw salt at everybody or whatever but this is the thing these people know we're here we reach out to them so for those that listening don't think that I'm just bitter about it, some other groups or, or whatever. 
we are constantly in contact with these people behind the scenes. We are constantly in emails, calling folks and don't get calls back on Facebook, on social media, all around Twitter, messaging, hitting people, talking to people, giving them the information. These people are making a conscious effort to not respond to us and to not interact with us. So that's why I call folks out because they full of manure. They know the deal, but they want to get their agenda, and they really, honest to God, believe they can go get what they want to get done and not have to worry about slavery. That's ass backwards, but so be it. Indeed it is, man. Indeed it is. Well, we're coming to the conclusion of the program. You know, I did want to tell you guys something that just recently happened, but the most recent issue of The Final Call out in Columbia, South Carolina, has a photo of myself, Sister India X Asada, and Tribal Rain in it, where we were part of the rally there in Columbia, South Carolina. I never thought I'd ever be in the final call, but I'm there. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. is so cool. Uh, right you know, on, X, right X, on. Parthas and the abolitionists are in final call, talking about how we tried to solve that problem. This is the uh, end of our program where we give our final statements, or not final statements, but our final thoughts to give you something to think about until the next time we talk again. And uh which one of you brothers would like to conclude with us tonight? Um, I'll go first. Um, proxyracism.com. Don't be a tool of racism. <laughs> Peace and blessings. Indeed, indeed. Um, I'll be brief as well. Um, this, uh, well, number one, remember to tune into the Geo Group's earnings call. Like I told you, that'll be on tomorrow, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can go to the Geo Group's website. It's geogroup.com. I mean, you can go right to the website, uh, click on investor relations, uh, and go right through the process of just giving them a simple email and a name. It could be any email, any name. They don't care. Just get on there so you can listen to that call. You can listen to them speak about everything we're talking about here. This is the plans they're laying. They're bragging about what they was able to get away with doing, and then they're going to lay out to you what they're about to do. So you will see political policy laid out right in front of you. You will see economic policy laid out right in front of you. You will see law enforcement planning uh, laid out right in front of you for where things are headed for the country. And they will do. They uh, what's the what's the Bible verse about? God said His word will not return to Him void. It's going it's going to accomplish what He set it out to do. Well, the Geo Group feels like they got because what they tell you about in these calls, they set out and they determined they're going to get that done. And I haven't heard one in the last few years of listening to it that they did not do what they said they were going to do. It's just plain and simple, folks. These people are real. For Kansas City people and anybody in the surrounding area that can get to Kansas City, November 16th, it'll be a Monday, uh, from 6 o'clock p.m. until 9 p.m. at the St. Stephen Baptist Church at 1414 East Truman Road, Kansas City, Missouri. I will be a part of an honest conversation about race. What? Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not an invited speaker. I'm going to I'm going in on the bandit tip, but you going to do a back parthas on them. Huh? <laughs> but we going but we going to get abolitionism <laughs> in the in the mix. <laughs> That's uh, like what do that direct action, you know, yeah, take man. the mic. We got to get in there. It says uh, join us as we bring people together and have an honest conversation about race and white privilege in our communities. Racism is personal, structural and systemic, systematic. How has it affected you? Let us let us talk about it and work to bring about a change. So again, that's Monday, November sixteenth, uh, six p.m. to nine p.m. St. Stephen Baptist Church, fourteen fourteen East Truman Road, Kansas City, Missouri. For more information, you can email 
Laura Moore number two. So that's L O R A M O R E number two at yahoo.com. You can get more information or you can hit me up on Facebook. I'll be on there. You can find me. I'll be at the, I'll be in the scene though. We're going to bring abolitionism to their, to their feet. <laughs> Peace to the abolitionist, death to the oppressors. Amen to that, brother Johanna. I, you know, I was reading a quote earlier where someone was saying basically, you can't have an honest conversation about race unless you're willing to face the facts you find. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Well, here's my final statement for the evening. <clears throat> the prison population has dropped by what? 2% up and down it goes. The jail, juvenile detention centers population have steadily increased. If local changes don't affect the national average, then what are you really bragging about? Random flux is not an achievement. I mean, this system of injustice, brutality, and mass incarceration are shared American problems, aren't they? I'm not really trying to hear about the altruism of your right hand while the left hand is slitting my children's throats. Considering the epic biblical proportions of incarceration rates, it is painfully obvious things have gotten worse more so than at any other time in human history. So what have you really been doing that worked? Furthermore, I don't need anyone to tell me who my friends and champions are. You can keep your heretical hurrahs to yourself. I'll make my own. And please, belay your advice about how we should handle problems you have always denied even exist. It might be possible we see something you can but won't. See, perspective is everything. And considering perspective, I I remember Ashada Shakur saying that as revolutionaries, if your ultimate goal isn't peace, then what are you fighting for? So remember, abolition is a reason for a revolution so we can finally know some peace. Peace. Hit me! Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.